Hey, y'all. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Support Women in Sports, the podcast. We are really switching things up this week. We have a group podcast. We also have some guys coming on, so really interested to hear their perspective. I'm hyped about this podcast episode. Might be one of my favorite ones yet. So I will let Alana give us a rundown. Yeah, thanks everybody for tuning into another episode. We're super hyped for this one, just like Sydney said. Today we're joined by the Momentum Marketing team, and I'm going to let them introduce themselves. I'm Taiki Green. I'm the co-founder and director of content at Momentum. I'm Alec Palmer. I'm director of marketing here at Momentum. I am Madison Forsyth, and I am the digital media manager with Momentum. Uh, I'm Morgan and I'm Trevor's marketing agent. Awesome. Thank you. How for all of you did you find your role at Momentum or kind of what's been your journey like to lead you into your position today? Yeah, uh, I guess I'll kind of start just as like the genesis of it all. Um, Yeah, back in 2018. uh, I've known Trevor since 2016 when uh, I used to train him at a a training facility in uh, Kent, Washington called Driveline Baseball. And we became friends through that. I was like the marketing guy there um, towards like the back half of my time at Driveline. And I went freelance for a year. And like during that freelance year, uh, Trevor and I were kind of brainstorming on, you know, what can we do together? You know, there's some kind of synergy there. And it was in spring training of 2018 when, uh, as many people know, he's a very uh, outspoken person. So uh, somebody took one of his uh, many quotes that he has in an interview and kind of blew it out of proportions. He was super angry about it. The team was angry about it. He got called into what he called like the principal's office. They kind of yelled at him saying like, you can't be saying that kind of stuff about this and that. And he's like, that's not what I meant, blah, blah, blah. You know, they're out to get me type of thing. So what we ended up doing was I had come down there just to visit him and uh, to blow off some steam, we went to Sedona, which is like three hours away from where he was staying. And we were just driving, just, well, you know, just shooting the shit kind of thing. And he brought up uh, the point of, you know, I don't really see how it's fair that my narrative is in the hands of somebody else. Um, I don't really get to have a say in like what people do with what my voice, essentially. And it just doesn't really sit right with me. So on like a basically a six hour round trip, we kind of hash the very early ideas of momentum on giving players a voice. We didn't know exactly how we were going to do it. If it was going to be just video, if it was going to be a podcast, if it was going to be written work. Um, we had an idea that it'd probably be video, but uh, that was kind of like the early formation of momentum. And over the next like nine months, uh, we found the name of it, which took like three months. Um, Got like the branding, uh, did a lot of like stuff here. We like consulted with people. We talked to like Gary Vee and his brother. Um, We talked to the guys at Creative Vimeo, just like, what are people looking for today? You know, like what's, uh, where's some content that people are looking for? I I maybe intuitively know what I want, but you know, maybe it's different for like the demographic. And it turned out that most people just want real stories. The bar is pretty low for baseball. So just doing anything with a player, and it's anything that's real is more or less going to do pretty well. So uh, that's kind of what they told us was uh, just try to make content quick, get it out as quick as possible, and just keep on reiterating as much as time goes on. So we launched in January. Uh, it was just me there for a little bit. Um, we initially thought it was going to go pretty slow. So we're like, you know, it's going to be me. I'll just do some stuff with Trevor. I'll just keep it just at that. 
and a couple of our videos blew up and we had a lot of people started emailing in, uh, you know, wanting to like work for us. I was like, what? Uh, like they probably assumed that there is more than like one person, like they had like a, you know, somebody answering the emails on the business account, but it was just me. And I was just feeling it. I was like, yeah, I mean, honestly, it's just me. They're like, oh, okay. Is this like real company? I'm like, yeah. Um, so we started like building out a team. Um, I honestly wasn't seeking, like we were just seeking help at that point because we started getting really flooded with stuff. So we brought on a lot of talented people. Um, you know, Alec was one of the first people that we brought on. He was actually <laughs> literally out of a necessity. We needed somebody to help shoot uh, Trev while using Cleveland while I was trying to, I don't know, like make it this more of a business. So uh, Alec was one of the people that, you know, answered the call. Uh, they did like, what was it? What was the first video? Uh, Trevor's like apartment tour. Yeah. Yeah. So the first time, first time I shot with him was when he was moving into his apartment, like just got back from spring training. Yeah. So that, that was amazing. And uh, Alec has now blossomed into our director of marketing. Um, initially it was just like video editing. And then he just kind of, well, I don't know, like a lot of our company is pretty autonomous given that we're all remote. So honestly, it's more of just like, look, whatever interests you, you have like these resources available to you, go for it. I've always been the proponent of if people want to do something, they're going to do it. And I'm not going to try to hold them back. I'm just going to give them the tools to grow. So uh, Alec just ran with it and he's like really just taking reins on kind of like our, um, operations and marketing side of things and so it's been great um we then hired uh, a guy named scott ohashi he was actually our first hire he was he's our editor-in-chief and director of photography he crushes it i literally found him at 2 a.m when i was just like having a, a panic attack because i had so many edits to do um so i found him through linkedin and he was like a wedding videographer didn't know never done anything sports i just liked how he did like you know, wedding like vows and like kind of interweave them to like kind of storytelling. Kind of reminded me of a documentary. So I was like, this guy, maybe. So I like DM'd him at like 1.30 in the morning. I was like, hey, you know, it's gonna sound weird, but I work with pro baseball players. We do documentaries and podcasts. I know it makes no sense why I'm doing this in like the most informal way possible, but I need help. You wanna like meet up? Cause he lived in Seattle at the time when I was there too. It's like, let's meet up for coffee or something. So he calls me the next morning. He's like, hey, man, look, honestly, I've been kind of greased over on some like sketchy projects. So like, is this actually legit? I'm like, yes, it is. I promise. Like, it would be like Trevor Bauer is a good friend of mine. I promise. It also would be weird for me to lie about a very, I mean, Trevor's a popular player now, but very obscure. It would be an obscure lie. So, um, yeah, we met up and he was like, oh, okay. I showed him the footage. I was like, look, it's that. I filmed with him, you know, like there I am. He's like, oh, this is, oh, okay. Like, yeah, this sounds like fun. So he started to do some work for us. And then obviously he, he fell in love with uh, the mission and just the, you know, storytelling and just the wide open market of nobody's doing things for baseball players. Just kind of the unforgotten guys, really. So I brought that on and um, I might as well just tell everybody's timeline and have them kind of explain it. Uh, we then, um, yeah, brought on Scott, Alec, and then uh morgan we were actually uh i was down in the arizona fall league uh filming and i think morgan i think morgan said that she was in town and so rachel and trevor were also in town and i was like more like you guys have to talk to morgan like she is i don't know how or where she's gonna like fit in but like 
the person is right. Like we'll figure it out on like a job type of thing. But um, I saw like Morgan's tenacity and like heard such great things about her. So we got like lunch at what, like first watch. And I think it was pretty much done deal after like a day or two. Mikey forgets that uh, we met previous in a previous life that uh, when when he was at driveline and um, with with my background and having for the last seven years kind of worked in the equipment space I would be going to the same trade shows that driveline was always at so that's really how I came to know that group of guys and through that you know Trevor was obviously involved in driveline at certain points so it's crazy how we've come you know 360 back now so (laughs) that's awesome I guess Alec for you it was mentioned that like one of your first things was Trevor's apartment tour. So did you just show up at Trevor's apartment or I was like, yo, I'm here to work for you or like how'd that all go? Yeah. I mean, no, for the most part. (laughs) Um, But I mean, in reality, I was sitting in class in grad school and just wasn't paying attention in the back. Um, I just on my computer and, you know, shout out professor Shrag, like love the guy, but was not, was not feeling it that day. Um, But anyways, I think that was around the time, uh, like Trevor's balance documentary came out or, or something about Trevor. I saw the video and I saw it was connected to momentum. And I mean, at this point I had no idea. It was the first time I've seen kind of what momentum was. And like, I was, it was like February or March, I think. And I was starting, you know, I was about to graduate grad school and I was like, I need to, you know, get into the real, the real world and have a real job soon. Um, so then I saw, it and I was like, Oh, this is, you know, this is really cool. Like saw some other stuff they did. So saw like, I had no idea that it was like just hikey. I had no idea that they weren't just in Cleveland or, you know, what the structure was. I saw they did stuff with Trevor and Clev and, and a couple other things. So realized it was pretty like Cleveland heavy. So I sent a cold email in the middle of class and, you know, like I cringe looking back, like now I can see my own email. Like I hate reading my own words, but um, sent an email and got a, I think like Taiki emailed me the next day and then Fun fact, he was supposed to call me and then didn't call me. And then I got opened up with a uh, a call or a, a text from Trevor the next morning. So it all worked out. I forgave him for it. Uh, it's all good now. <laughs> um, no, but uh, that's, so Trevor texted me one morning. I was like, hey, like, love to work together, see if this works and you know, need some help. So first time I met him, showed up at his apartment. Like, I still remember like pulling in, he's standing on top of the parking garage saying to like go to where he was. And, you know, pulled in and started filming, filmed it, um, you know, looking back, like, it was pretty awful, uh, <laughs> the video, in, in my own, like, critical opinion, but, um, you know, your own, your own biggest critic. But nonetheless, um, that, that's where I got started, did a couple freelance stuff with Trev. And then uh, by the end of May, I was signed on full time uh, to be a videographer for Momentum. And at that point, did that, uh, I don't know, probably for a little while, then after All-Star Game, uh, everyone was in Cleveland for the all, for all-star week did that. And, uh, I started really getting like having affinity to help run the like marketing and social stuff. Um, obviously before, you know, Madison came into the picture, but, um, but I was running the socials. So started running more and more of that leading into while doing Trevor, mainly just focused on Trevor, uh, Trevor's content headed through the end of the year, became, uh, continued to start to like sell kind of just made myself as valuable as possible. And like the most, like many different ways and that's kind of everyone's story I think here and like I'm sure Madison will kind of the same thing um but uh yeah and I'm now now we're here the director of marketing and and heading up pretty much anything it's just like a catch-all I mean from customer service to trying to you know sell partnerships to helping Madison when she needs help on digital so 
Um, you know, I've loved it. It's been the craziest year plus, you know, it's been stressful at times. It's been like insane at times, but it's, uh, it's probably like the most rewarding thing I've done in my life. And, you know, ha having Tyke at the helm is, is I, I had a, I had a thread a couple of weeks ago, but just saying like how impressive our team is. And like, I'll stand by this to the end till I die is like, there's not a reason we should be producing as much content as we do just out of pure, like chaos and the fact that there's only five of us, but like, there's no one, there's no other team. I really don't believe that could be doing the, the, uh, you know, amount of work and, and the, the level of work that we're doing. So always proud to, uh, to talk about us and to talk about how great our team is. Yeah, that's, that's fantastic. Um, I had an interview with MLB during my job process and they were like, Oh, like, who are some athletes doing a great job on social? And I was like, Trevor Bauer. I was like, don't even just like hire me. Just like, like, just look at everything that momentum is doing and copy that for baseball. So, and also like that you mentioned, you wear a lot of different hats. Saw on your IG story a couple of weeks ago that you were packing sticker orders. So that's always great to see. Um, I'll move on to Madison next. Former gopher. We love to see it. Roll the boat, Skyy Ma. Um, but how did you kind of get involved with momentum? <laughs> Alex over here laughing at our row the boat sky Imago gophers. I have only been with momentum for about two and a half months now. Um, after graduating from college, I accepted a job in Baltimore and I was out in Baltimore for three years, um, still working in sports. Uh, and then this last spring, um, my boyfriend had to move across the country for work and I said, all right, let's do it. I'll come with you. So quit my job, was looking for a new one. And it kind of is just like perfect timing. I had saw that Alec posted it on the um, sports video creative, whatever it's called, sports creative Slack channel. Um, and I think I reached out to him on like the day that they were closing the applications and was like, hey, are you guys still accepting people? And he's like, yep, shutting it down this weekend. So I was like, okay, <laughs> I gotta get this application in quick. Um, and then from there, ended up getting the job. And yeah, so I've been here for two and a half months now, overseeing pretty much all the, the social media, helping Alec out on merch and our website. That's awesome. I mean, that, that you were like able to figure out like your job. And obviously if you were like one of the last applicants, like to be able to get it. And like you said, a, a quick application, Morgan, I know that you mentioned, you knew Taiki like a little bit before when his previous position, but how did you cold email Salamat fall league? How did you get involved with where you're at right now? Um, I think I just kind of kept in touch, right? Like Taiki, I don't actually remember our, our, I, I think I actually saw that you were out in Arizona and texted you and then you kind of connected the dots. But um, I mean, I think just this kind of goes without saying that um, contacts and relationships in the industry, like you never know when um, you're either going to be working with these people again, or they know somebody that knows somebody that is looking to hire. Um, and the more years that you spend in the industry, the smaller it becomes. And I think ultimately that's just how this all, this all happened. So, um, it's, it's been almost a year for me that I've been, um, working for Trevor. Obviously, um, there's a lot of interfacing that I do with momentum specifically. Um, I talk to one of these three <laughs> on this call um, multiple times a day, multiple times a day. So 
um, it's, it's been, yeah, it's been awesome. This is by far the best group of people that I've ever worked with. And I will stand by that as well. So yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't think, I don't think Morgan even knows this, but, um, yeah, there's no way she knows this. Uh, yeah. So like basically like two or three weeks before, um, I, I, like Trevor was getting just so overloaded with work as he does just likes to do everything. So we had like a sit down with like him, Rachel Luba, his agent and I am like, Hey, like you should probably get some, like help you like something that like knows the space, not even just like offload some of the work, just like something that can actually like take your brand to the next level. Cause, cause you need that. And uh, we were just like looking around and um, I think it was, I'm not sure who, Oh no, no, I think we're just doing like just massive research through like our contacts. And I was like, you know, Morgan blank, like she has uh, the agency side of things. She's worked at Hostick, which was like a baseball bat company beforehand. So she like understands like merch stuff and all that. And as well as like partnerships, this, this has to be it for sure. And I remember I reached out, I think to you, but uh, you were saying something about like, you know, you were interviewing at different spots. So I thought like we lost you. So I was like, damn. <laughs> I do. I, I remember that well, actually. Um, yeah, I'm glad it all, I'm glad it all worked out though. So it was meant to, it was meant to be. So, so weird. Cause yeah. Cause then you, cause we had kind of like forgotten about it. And then you said like you're in town and I was like, Oh my God. Like, I think it was like Trevor's last day. I was like, all right, let's go to like lunch, like, or whatever, bring her in like right now. This needs to happen immediately. This is our like one chance. And then yeah, luckily it worked out, but yeah, no, for like a while we were seeing what was going to happen, but I thought we were too late. I thought we just didn't make the decision quick enough and you had like gotten a new job. I would have like hated myself. So thank God that worked out. I think the theme that you guys are probably seeing is that literally at any time the like your life could probably just change immediately. Like, I mean, Madison was the last second got it in. Like I was sending a random email, Morgan and the, the stars aligned for her to be in Arizona. So like, uh, that's that's the thing I've I've gotten out of you know especially this is just like you truly especially in sports you just have no idea when something is just gonna break and like going off what Morgan said too of, of relationships and stuff I mean there's people I I mean I follow a ton of people and everyone's like oh like you should keep your follower count like you should follow less than they're following you and I was like I don't care like I'm doing research <laughs> so I'm essentially like... just scouting all day um, all day every day I'm just like logging personally in my head and, um, I mean. By the time this comes out, the vlog, the new vlogs might have came out already. But um, like we brought on Alex Geiger, uh, he works full time at Pitt Men's Basketball, and like I followed him for a while and like know immediately how talented he was. Um, so when you put that like vlog part out, I um, he had he had DM me, and it was already pretty. I was pretty excited already to see that. So it's all those types of things, and you know, just uh, if I if I follow you out of nowhere on Twitter, I'm probably either think you're hilarious. Or um, I'm really a big fan of your work. So uh, that, that's just, like, it's in my opinion. It's just, you never know who's who's watching and you never know who, like, where your name is and rooms that you might not even ever have thought you were going to be in. 100%. I completely agree with that. And Twitter's crazy. Obviously, like, Alec and I met through Twitter. I would have had no idea who he was outside of Twitter. So God bless Twitter. That's all I'm going to say. Um, <laughs> Kind of like moving up. Sydney, you and I wouldn't have done this if it wasn't for Twitter. So like, <laughs> that's true. Alana yeah. and I met through Twitter. You never know. I guess like going off of that, and as some of you know, I recently accepted a position with Open Doors, and obviously you guys had Blake on Bauer Bites yesterday, which was huge. 
Um, and kind of going off of that, how has athlete-driven media evolved over this period of quarantine? We're seeing a lot of content coming out of the bubbles and all of that, but how will this change going forward with athletes getting more familiar with content in general? Um, I think it's I think it's interesting. I think a lot of people, especially during before the season started, I think a lot of guys had time to like be at home and like not being to do anything. So a lot of guys started getting interesting and like, you know, I do have this platform, like, you know, what can I do to like, kind of elevate it? Um, I guess it kind of gave them like space to kind of really evaluate. Um, you know, they are in the limelight for a very specific period of time. Sometimes they don't really have a say on like how long, but it is a limited period of time. So what can they do? That's uh, what, you know, Open Doors talks about all the time. What can you do in this particular limelight to maximize your brand to then carry that brand on, you know, for perpetuity? You know, if you only play for five, 10 years, that's great. But, you know, what can you do when you retire? Like if you can garner an audience of half a million followers, like that's a legitimate like business. Like that's a legitimate entity that you could, you know, be self-sufficient on. You could have your own show, podcast, um, you know, brand deals and all that kind of stuff and that carries you on through. So I think a lot of players are becoming more interested in it. I wouldn't say a lot of players are like fully willing to do what Trevor's doing, holding a big camera in the clubhouse and vlogging. I think we're a little ways from that, but I think a lot more players are interested in wanting to do content, understanding the importance of storytelling, understanding the importance of having your own narrative and understanding that, look, like it is important to, you know, take into account your Twitter following, your Instagram following. Like that's a, a legitimate thing that could be uh, useful for you. Um, you know, once you're, even when you're, playing but even more so when your career is over so you know i i hope guys start to get the hang of it like the nba and nfl but i think we're a little ways away for baseball yeah i mean to jump onto that i think uh it to me it's this has kind of been like in the works for a little while of this kind of explosion of of athlete driven media and just i think just digital media in general um i would like I would say, and just generally what I've said to people just talking in, in the industry is like over like the last five years, you've really seen like a jump in, in creative content. Um, and I think a lot of that starts in college athletics. And, and I think a couple of us have worked in college athletics before. So it's like, you kind of see that. I almost feel like that's where you can experiment the most. Cause it's like a lot of people just, those platforms aren't really big. And, you know, the digital content isn't necessarily the focus. It's always, you know, Saturday football or, or the basketball games or whatever. So I think we saw that building up and started to bubble up, um, you know, at the bigger schools like Ohio State and, you know, University of South Carolina, Clemson, those started, I think those are kind of like the early adopters. And then you saw kind of in line with that NFL and NBA players starting to take control. And especially with Adam Silver at the helm of the NBA, I mean, it's become completely a player's league and that's translates right into content. And, you know, in typical MLB fashion, they're, they're a little bit behind, but I think it starts to disseminate over, over all the sports and it becomes more accepted. And just like what Taiki's talking about is, is the, the younger generation of players are, are way more um, accepting to content, especially as they've grown up in content and having Instagram and having phones and, and all this stuff. Um, so I, I think we're due for, for a bigger kind of explosion. Uh, this is just like the beginning of the end, or not beginning of the end, like the beginning of the, of the exponential growth. Um, in media and I, I think you even see it just in the industry especially from fellow creatives fellow workers is all of a sudden you're seeing you know it's kind of like a little revolution of sorts it's like all these people working in sports will be like 
hey, we're, we're way more valuable than what teams are giving us. And, and I think you're, you're starting to see it. Um, and it's going to be exciting to, to kind of continue to watch. I think Madison, you're going to jump in too. Yeah, I think with quarantine too, there's been more of an acceptance of a lower produced, not necessarily lower quality, but not as produced content. So as people have gotten more used to seeing that type of thing, I think it's um, more likely that athletes are going to look at it in a way where it's like, well, I can do that, where before it was like, well, I'm never going to be able to make a video, this like cinematic video. So hopefully with quarantine, allowing people to adopt that, you know, kind of grab and go video style and having that be popular, athletes are just going to jump on board even more. Morgan, you want to add in? I mean, I, I don't know. They kind of covered it all. I, I'm, I'm lucky to get to work with somebody who understands um, the importance of what he's doing and like blazing the trail for people behind him. Um, he's been so just incredibly driven and consistent and it, he's somebody that other athletes should be looking at in terms of um, where he's setting the bar. I mean, he's landing, you know, in Pittsburgh and getting his content filmed and uploaded into YouTube for me to kind of take it over the next morning and get everything ready to go to be posted. And so like that level of commitment and um, just like volume also that he's putting out is just incredible unheard of um and hopefully other people are looking at that and saying like if if somebody that is that busy that owns businesses that's a pro athlete um at you know the highest level um hopefully that challenges other guys um that are you know without a season right now to to be doing the same thing so yeah for sure. I think it's important to add too. like, if you look at the numbers, it's starting to become more and more clear that a lot of pro athletes have a bigger following than the teams that they're playing for. Not as much in baseball, but definitely like football and NBA. Like the other day, I just sat down and was like kind of looking through those numbers. I was like, oh, holy cow, like your top 100 NFL players, like most of them have a larger following than the teams they are playing for. So I think that's becoming more and more um, transparent as well and I think people are starting to realize too after the whole period of COVID that athletes are people too that's not something that's always been seen and I think I think Trevor does a great job of that going behind the scenes Pat McAfee is always somebody who I think of when it comes to athlete driven content and what he's done um, outside of his career making a name for himself so yeah all of that I mean I, I... Just I 100% agree with all that. I think, too, it's one thing that Blake has always said. It was from the first time I spoke to him, um, or Blake, the CEO of Open Doors. But he said that, you know, he think he had a thread last year, but he was comparing like the exact same piece of content posted from the team versus posted from the player. And the player will outperform it every single time because people want that. And I, I think it's leading in kind of what I mentioned before, like this explosion. I think it's fundamentally changing the role of – the team of like you play for. And it's not necessarily like right now, it's very much employee employer. Like you do what we say because we're, we employ you. I think it's going to continue to expand. And especially if you're just following kind of the, the people going into the space, you know, they're, they're forming real friendships and relationships with a lot of the guys they work with. And that's something we can all attest to, especially from our side is, you know, 
teams are becoming more about they're they're essentially their own small marketing agencies every every single one and they have a kind of a, an obligation to do that to their players and the teams that aren't aren't taking care of that um are falling behind and i think it's pretty pretty obvious to see which ones are doing that and the ones that are taking the risks and taking the chances to you know promote their players because it's very logical but a lot of people just don't want to i guess understand it's like you promote the players you're promoting you know a great example is like Trevor, if the team, the Reds have been great about embracing um, like Trevor's personality and you see it on their social. And it's like when Trevor does well, he sells himself and whether his merch goes up great, but then everyone's involved in the team. And one thing we see all the time is like in our comments, like I'm not even a Reds fan, but this team sounds so fun. Like I'm watching their games. I'm finding myself rooting for Trevor or, or you know, COVID screen guy has just like, taken over taken storm and it's just it's things like that where uh, like i just really think that the idea of of sports media is going to continue to evolve and the role of a team is going to continue to change as players take more and more of uh, that power back yeah i mean i totally agree i feel like the vlogs are just amazing like seeing like what the players have been doing especially because of covid like seeing how their lives have changed and it's something that no one will probably ever experience right unless you're a pro athlete and just as time goes on i quick question what female athletes do you think are like capitalizing on that same athlete like driven media and where do you think like female athletes can improve on to also kind of do like what mlb and like M uh, nba is doing and kind of also take that wave and, and use it to their advantage one uh one one female athlete that sticks out right now which is it's actually funny because um she's kind of obviously crossing over right now in mlb is uh mal i don't want to mispronounce her last name at mal is it mal q is it yeah um her and her boyfriend dansby have a series that mlb is producing or promoting um mal versus dansby so um i think that she's done a really good job obviously on her platforms being on one of the biggest stages um with the women's national team um pretty pretty incredible stuff and she actually has a brother-in-law that plays for the brewers as well so there's kind of a, a another little connection there but she's somebody that sticks out i mean alex morgan obviously is another one that um with her obviously having a kid now she's she's even opened herself up into a new market right with motherhood and like pr promoting those products and um, building your brand and in, in, in that sector as well. So those are two um, that kind of stick out. And then I know Paige Halstead is somebody that Momentum works closely with. Um, she is a pro softball player in the new, is it O Pro Sports League? Um, and uh, yeah, she works closely with Momentum. She was out at Live at Bats and she's another one that understands, you know, the content and the media and she came from a large school where they were building up people as well on their platforms with UCLA softball which has been you know a great program over many 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 years and um, she's somebody I think that kind of sticks out to us as well as somebody who really understands the lane there yeah I mean um if you don't mind me jumping I think it the one I was gonna say Alex Morgan as well I think there's a few that were like pretty early on this wave um, like Sean Johnson has been capitalizing since I mean, like the 2008 Olympics. Like she was probably like the, to me, like at least the first one I remember is like the first one who really took hold of like that, that, I mean, the Olympics are even a shorter fame than realistically any sport. It's like, especially in gymnastics, 
16 to like 18 is when you have your prime time to be, be like a world-class gymnast there. And like, she took full advantage of it. Um, and, and now is, has all of her own, you know, her Instagram's huge and, and continuing to build that brand. She has a ton of deals and stuff like that. So I think like she's one of the first ones that popped to mind. Um, Alex Morgan is another great example. I think um, like Megan Rapino is another huge one. And I, I, a lot of the soccer players, I think it, it's like almost like contagious. The like, you know, Alex Morgan does doing really well. And then all of a sudden, like she's encouraging her teammates and stuff like that. And I don't know if that's truly how it happens, but that's kind of how it seems of the, the process that happens with a lot of players. And Megan Rapinoe has been very outspoken. And I think people find their own lanes uh, to be, to use their platform. And we, I think we often conflate like using your platform. Like you have to speak out on a lot of issues and some people do choose to do that. Some people choose to not do that. They choose to use it a different way. Um, but I mean, those, those are the ones that, that jump off the page to me and, they were honestly pretty early um, and they just, I don't think they got the quote unquote like respect that now if they would have shown up and done it, um, you know, like the WNBA has been really like pushing this content train for a while. And now you see like Deanna Taurasi's and like Sue Bird and like all these people who are showing up and kind of capitalizing on that, especially in like the wobble has been huge. Yeah, uh, I think with their, oh, their commitment to content is crazy. I think with women, they just have a huge opportunity my experience in sports is that females and the women's teams are always so much more willing to do content and let you in the locker room and give you any access and all the access. So I just think in general, like there's a huge opportunity for any and all women's athletes because they are able, I mean, I guess everyone's able to, but if they're willing to give that access that so many men are not willing to give, like, it's such a huge opportunity in my opinion. Yeah. I'm really glad that you guys mentioned like the U S women's national team. I think they've done a great job just as a team on social. And if you look at like their official account, like they have a very fun time with their social media, which I think reflects the players really well. Um, also like on the motherhood standpoint, I think Serena Williams has done a really good job about that and kind of going behind the scenes throughout her entire process. And she's gotten, um, kind of a lot of hate in the game of tennis, too, with certain issues and, and speaking about that on social. But Alana, do you want to add anything, too? Yeah, I was going to ask, is there any athletes that you hope will start capitalizing? Like, is there anybody, like female athletes or even male athletes that you want to see, like, where they can take athlete-driven media based off, like, their sport or being in the wobble or, you know, kind of just what they're involved in? Yeah, it's actually somebody that we potentially hope to work with. Uh, her name's Paige Halstead. So it's their new softball league, uh, AU Pro Sports, I think that's what it's called. Um, it's a totally new format, super new. I think they plan on expanding to different types of sports, but it's like a new point scoring system. It's like a fantasy league, super new and innovative. They're micing up players before games, during games, after games, doing content in between. It's like the new age type of sports. And I think their marketing is great. And so uh, Paige Halstead, uh, she's a catcher at UCLA, just graduated, um, and she's making like she's been making viral TikToks for a little while. Uh, her brother plays for the Giants, and he's in AAA, um, and they basically like, compete against each other. Paige is like an extremely good athlete, so she's like catching her brother's boy, uh, or her brother's uh, bullpens, and he's throwing like 95 plus, and she's just sticking it like no problem. It's it is super impressive. So uh, potentially just seeing the inside of that bubble and showing like what 
you know, the first year of this league looks like. Uh, it's like, I think they're in Chicago right now. So they're running out an entire floor of like the Hilton and they're just kind of going to games, going back in. And it's kind of like summer camp almost. So uh, pretty interesting. And I'd love to see more just pro softball players. I think it's a super interesting way of like what you do after college kind of thing. Because right now, like Pac-12 softball is like, that's like the highest it gets really uh, with softball. And then some just kind of retire and then go on to work somewhere else. But there's probably a lot of players that want to keep on playing. Um, you know, they're in their like prime, essentially, in terms of like athletic ability. You know, I'd hate to kind of see that squandered. So hopefully this league has some legs and really takes off. It's on ESPN2 right now, but I'd love to see more softball players taking initiative on just, you know, becoming more popular. And then the fans of those players just become popular uh, fans of the league because the players are in it. So hopefully that works out. Softball's done a great job, and I think they've grown really rapidly. Obviously, I went to Minnesota, and their softball program has been amazing during my time there. Mm. Um, I think Haley Cruz is somebody who really stands out to me in the college space, especially on TikTok, and really kind of growing the game there. She does a ton of behind-the-scenes stuff, and personally, I love it. So I think softball players are really like outspoken, too, and they do a really good job with press and media and Amber um, Pfizer from Minnesota has done a great job too and lucky enough to have some classes with her. I think softball is a, like a huge, huge market and it should explode. And they've tried a few times, uh, different pro softball leagues that kind of like have sputtered out, but this one feels different. And, and Paige, I think is a great example. Haley was the other one I was going to bring up. Um, but I just think in general, I mean, there's uh, even looking in, inside of baseball, um, like a listen, Nakin or, or Nakin um, and Rachel Balkovic as well, like to, I mean, they're the highest level of coaching in baseball. Like it's not, not, not highest level for women or highest level, just the highest level of coaching. And I think as we continue to see, I mean, the NBA has done the same thing. Um, I forget, I forget her name, uh, Becky Gammon, maybe, I don't know, but she's in the, one of the head coaching discussions right now for a team in the NBA. And then um, in the NFL, they had their first women's coach or women, uh, woman coach in as well. So I think that just in general, I think there's a huge um, just opportunity for, for all the sports to grow. Um, and all these athletes too, you're seeing more and more, um, what did, was it, who, what, I forget, she, she played like baseball. Um, she didn't even play softball for a while. I think she's, she's going to college for baseball as well. Um, I forget her name, so I apologize, but, um, but you're, you're seeing more and more of these stories. I think that there's a huge opportunity and, and the, the names are only going to continue to get bigger and bigger and, and as we see as we continue to grow. Yeah, kind of following like the topic of like female athletes and things like that. Um, Madison and Morgan, throughout your career and just your journey overall in sports, have you guys faced any challenges being a woman in sports um, before, I guess, in your experience? Okay, um, yeah, I think that Yes, there's definitely been challenges. Um, I feel like I've been really lucky to have, when I first got into sports, I was surrounded by a bunch of other amazing women in sports who have now gone on to have careers in sports and they're incredible. Um, and I've always just really felt supported. That being said, yeah, there's definitely some challenges. Um, when I first started out, I was in content creation doing um video and editing and like one of the biggest frustrations for me 
at that time was um, not being able to go in the men's locker room for like halftime or pregame, which I get it, but it also wouldn't, it wouldn't be a big deal, but it was like the women's teams made those adjustments. So it's like the male videographers could go in for halftime to the women's locker rooms, but it's like the men's teams wouldn't make that adjustment for women. So I either missed out on that footage or someone else had to go shoot it, which was just really frustrating. But I think as I've kind of grown and progressed throughout my career, like that's something that not doesn't bother me anymore. It's like, whatever. I think that's one of the best parts of, you know, a video because that's the part the fans aren't seeing. So if they don't want it in the video, that's fine. It's not going to bother me anymore. Um, and I think with that has come some like growing out of imposter syndrome, which I think is a little more, I think it's relevant to everyone in sports just because it's like, you don't, I mean, there's sports management degrees, but like everyone in sports is doing five different people's jobs. So like a good chunk of what you're doing, you taught yourself. So it's like, I think everyone in sports has imposter syndrome to a degree, but I do think it's um, more prevalent in women. So that's been something that I've kind of dealt with. And I feel like I finally, probably in the last year have gotten to a place where it's like, you know what? No, I actually know what I'm doing here. Um, and we're good. And like I said, I, I just think the challenges grow and change as you grow and change. And to Morgan's point about um, Alex Morgan being a mom, like, I mean, I am not in a spot at all where I'm going to be, where I'm having kids, but like 10 years from now, I do want to have a family and be a mom. And it's like, I feel like there's no women working in sports that are also moms. Like there's athletes that are moms, but there are a ton of women that do, you know, social media or content creation that are posting on social media about those challenges. So it's kind of like, you know, I know that's going to be a challenge and I have no idea like how I'm going to handle that because there's no roadmap out there right now for how you do that. And if it's possible, like there's, I know some dads in sports, but I think it's a lot different to be a mom and also working in sports. So yeah, like I said, the challenges are there and they definitely grow and change throughout your career. My, my path has been a little bit different. Um, I have not worked with a ton of women and given the section of the industry that I was in for the majority of my career, thus far, it was on the equipment side. So when you talk about, um, you know, negotiating either on-field contracts or off-field contracts, you know, for um, these players making millions or their bat contracts, shoe contracts, glove contracts, like you really have to know kind of what you're talking about. Otherwise they will really be skeptical of you. So I personally, it might not have ever been to my face, so I, I can't, or behind my back, so, or to my face rather, sorry. Um, I never experienced that. Like I said, it was never to my face, so I, I have no idea whether what they thought of me or not, but um, all I could control was how much I knew about the product and um, how much I knew about the industry and got as much feedback as possible. Um, you know, I, I did have to go into locker rooms. Um, so I had a little bit different experience. And like I said, those guys, you know, guys in particular, like with bats and gloves, 
they're going to know if you don't know what you're talking about. So I just made a point at the very least to um, study as much as possible, gather as much feedback. And I have a really strong personality too. So um, maybe there were maybe some things that were thought or said, you know, about me that maybe I just didn't pick up on and let it roll off off my back. But, um, you know, like I said, I, I've kind of, maybe it's ignorance is bliss a little bit too, but um, I've been, I've been pretty lucky, I'd say. I, I hadn't really ever felt, um, you know, disrespected. And if there was a question that I didn't feel like I could maybe answer because, you know, I've never actually swung a, you know, 95 mile an hour fastball with a wood bat in, you know, on the largest stage in the world, um, then I would defer that to somebody else that, you know, had done that before. And, and we kind of made it work that way. So that's, uh, that's my take. Madison, I know you kind of talked a little bit about imposter syndrome, and I feel like it's something that comes up a lot in our episodes, just in general, talking with other women in the industry. And I've seen it come up on Twitter where people are like, hey, like, do you feel this? And they're like, I didn't even know like there was a word for it. Um, so it's definitely, like you said, common in the sports industry. Um, Taiki and Alec, do you feel like you've felt this before as well, like during your journey in sports or not so much? Yeah, I mean, I, I think you hit the nail on the head. I think there's, it's pretty prevalent and, you know, to, to use the wrong phrase of the word, but like, it's like an epidemic or a pandemic through the, through the world of sports. I mean, you, it's, I can't speak for other industries, but I, I know that for a fact that the same, same thing come up in the conversation. It's like, I don't know if I'm doing it. And, you know, if I've always taken solace in the fact that no one has a clue what they're doing. And especially like, that's one of the, my favorite parts about working at Momentum is like, we're all very open. It's just like, yeah, we have like, if some, we don't know something, we're just like, yeah, we'll figure it out. I mean, there was like a great example is last year in spring training. I mean, we, we put on sand, the Sandlot game and it was live streamed and they had like, I mean, it truly was the only worldwide. It was the only professional sporting event going on or it literally, it was the only thing and it was being streamed live. We've never live streamed anything. We never did any of like this at all. And it was just like, I mean, uh, Tyke Morgan, you know, like, the night before it was, I don't know, maybe midnight or something. And we were blasting Fleetwood Mac, just like collectively losing our minds because we had no idea what we were getting into the next day. Even, even down to, even down to just making sure we had, you know, the waivers in place and just all of those things that, you know, we, yeah, it was a very quick turnaround. I think from the time that we started talking about it in our, in our big brother house to, actually it happening 72 hours later roughly um it was it was really impressive and i think i looked around like we had a we had a span of one week where we had three events back to back to back so we had the sandlot game the branding workshop and the lululemon party and i think at one point so the branding workshop was actually our second event of three in five or six day you know span and i remember as we were setting up for the branding workshop, I, I looked over at Taiki and Alec and I was like, you know, I would not want to be doing this with anybody else because everyone at the company truly just kind of knows their role. And like, I, I didn't feel in any way, shape or form that any of us were going to like, just drop the ball. And I looked over at Taiki and I was like, yeah, he's got it. Like, I don't have to micromanage cameras set up, right? Like I knew he got it. Um, and that was kind of the first time where I was like, wow, we've got a really good 
group of people here and I think we were all exhausted after those couple days but it was really impressive how much we pulled off and I think we're all looking forward to what 2021 is going to be now that we've had quite a head start in in planning so that was uh yeah that was a fun couple of days it really was <laughs> yeah and I think that just goes to show like that that's the biggest thing I know it's kind of not necessarily answering your question like head on but I think the biggest the biggest reason for imposter syndrome to me is like when you're not in an environment where you feel like or the big when you feel imposter syndrome the most when you're in an environment that you feel like everyone like knows what they're doing and it's like a weird it's a weird way to say it but it's like you know when you kind of really have that openness with everyone you work with and it's like if you can truly go up to someone and be like i have not a single clue what to do um you might you feel like okay like that's okay you know I think the biggest driver of imposter syndrome is that you feel like you should know what's happening. You feel like you should know exactly the answer to every question that comes up to you. I mean, for Christ's sake, I'm, I'm negotiating with uh, stuff like huge deals with these resorts in Arizona, trying to figure out how we're going to live there for spring training. And I, I don't know what I'm doing. Like I, I'm talking to them and I'm like, I've never bartered this type of, of deal before, but it's, that's that's the environment we we live in and that's the environment that you work in i think uh, if i was anywhere else i would feel much more um hesitant and i think that's that's huge to be able to like know that we're all going to fail at some point we're all going to mess up and that you can't that we're never gonna like it's never gonna be like oh you failed bye like get out and it's you know obviously if you stole money from the company sure like that's different but if it's just like you're trying to learn and push and, and have all the good intentions that's that's a huge part. And that's, that's how I combat it is knowing uh, that people have my back, like success or failure, um, you know, starting at the top with Pikey. Yeah. I think imposter syndrome is so interesting. Honestly, I think a lot more things could get done if like, it just wasn't, I think ego is just a huge problem uh, in anything that we do. Like it could be this or wherever. Um, I think just being communicative is like also a big thing. I think like early on at least driveline, uh, just because I literally had no idea what I was doing. Uh, but that was like so freeing because I had no pressure. I, like the marketing position there was just me filming on my iPhone and like the uh, CEO, uh, Kyle Bode, was like, yeah, I mean, honestly, just do whatever you want. I'm like, all right, I'm like, uh, sure. So I've always just tried to keep that mentality because, um, you know, like what's the point in like having an ego about something and like feeling that I need to be something that I'm not. That's only going to, like be something like, I don't want to work towards something. I'm just going to be who I am right now in the present. So if I can remove ego, just look at a problem be like, look, all right, you know, what, who knows how to do this? If nobody knows, cool. There's Google. We'll look at how to do that. Have we done, have we thrown an event? You know, we have to throw an event in three days. Like, do we know how to do that? Maybe not. All right. Like, let's just like, let's just break it down, you know, from like step one to step two to step three. And then we'll eventually get there. But it's going to stop us if we're like, yeah, like somebody yells up, yeah, I got it. And then uh, they're on their own because we assume that they know how to do it. Like, that's just not the right way. We can create an environment where it's like, nobody really knows, but um, I know kind of how to do like this portion. Okay, like let's work on that and then start building it out. You know, eventually we'll get there, but it's just the ego will always be the biggest thing that will block anybody's process. Yeah. A hundred percent. Like I've definitely struggled with imposter syndrome, like throughout my very young career in sports, I guess you could say. Uh, I was in a very competitive sport management program and definitely always like 
if you weren't doing two to three internships at a time, like what were you doing was kind of the, the standard. So I'm glad that you guys mentioned events. Um, what are some of like your guys' either favorite events or projects that you've worked on either at your time at Momentum or throughout your career? I'd say probably our favorite project. Um, I think Bowerbytes uh, collectively was like our probably our biggest project and uh, it went pretty well given that like none of us have done anything close to that, at least I haven't. I mean, it was like 30 plus guests, nine different, nine shows house rental we have to do production design never done that before that uh that whole set um in that house is completely uh paid like we bought all that at furniture we took out all the other furniture there was a couch in there originally it was more of like a white pink decor so we wanted more like a manly look i'm like okay uh let's get like an oak table i don't know like well let's let's try to figure that out like working with budgets and that was the other thing too like somebody's like, hey, what's your budget? I'm like, look, man, I literally don't even, you can tell me $50,000 or you can tell me $5. I don't, I have no frame of reference of, I'm sorry, I wish I could give you a better answer. But like, can you like tell me this like a range of like what it's supposed to be? Like, like, you know, I'm happy to pay you. I just, I already have no idea. Um, so. And then selling it on Letgo after. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just like working offer up. And, oh yeah. Cause yeah, all that furniture, yeah. yeah, all that furniture is just, paid for and used for just that set so everybody coming in you know even from like intake forms to you know talking to different having like just managing like you know 15 people at the house at once that's that's already a lot and like especially them being like five to six pro athletes you know a couple of guys that may have flew in uh, we flew in the direct from boulder and ron shelton you know making sure he's all right getting him from the airport to there all that sort of stuff it was like a very combined effort in a sprint that we did for like five weeks, basically two or three shows every other day. Um, so I'd say like, that's the, I think, you know, I was pretty proud of them for doing that. I was, I was a lot. And I don't think anybody really had any true experience in doing something like that. It's pretty unique. And uh, we managed to do it. We we're supposed to have a little bit more, but obviously COVID hit, but that project was just a true sign of like, you know, like we really busted ass and we were able to, you know, put together something pretty nice uh, with a lot of different perspectives and opinions. So uh, I was pretty proud uh, for the team for doing that for sure. I mean, I, I guess I can jump in. Uh, I mean, yeah, Bauer Bites was insane. And it's just funny that uh, no one had any experience. We were just talking about that, like imposter syndrome. I was like, Bauer Bites is like a perfect example of, of that. Um, that the environment we built to kind of combat that. But um, probably my, my favorite project, um, I, I guess like event wise, I mean, last year's spring training was just awesome that we like put on this branding workshop and, you know, a party in collaboration with Lululemon. And, you know, that was just great. I, I love, I love planning events and, and stuff like that. I love all that operational stuff. And it kind of sounds crazy to a lot of people, but I don't know that high stress environment just like gets me going um, in terms of that. But in terms of this project, I think it's one that I'm, I was pretty close to is when Trevor got traded from the Indians to the Reds last year. Um, I mean, obviously that was, uh, was June, it was June 30th. He got traded. And at that point I had been working for momentum for like, I don't know, less than two months. Um, but I, I'd been working with Trevor a ton, so it was fine. But yeah, it was, uh, Tyke, you'll remember that those like few days like leading up, it was, you know, Trevor had just thrown the ball out of, of Kauffman stadium. So that was a whole, I was already, I was already mad because I was, they, I left Sunday morning. He threw it out Sunday afternoon. So I was like, you couldn't have kind of let me know you're going to do that. I'd love to see that in person. Um, but so 
you know, the trade rumors were going, then he did that. And then it was just like, oh, he wasn't getting traded. And then he was like, oh, he is getting traded. And then we had no idea. And then I was like, I used to go to almost every Indian's home game to film and stuff. And uh, he had then texted me right before the game. I was like, hey, I might be getting traded. So just be ready. And I was like, oh, sweet. Okay. Um, I guess I'll just stay on call. And he's like, yeah, that's fine. So then like the fifth or sixth inning rolled around and he's like, I'm definitely getting traded. And then I started talking to Taiki and I was like, what are we going to do here? Like, again, had no, this has never been documented. This has never been done before. So um, yeah, then he got traded in like the seventh inning in that game. And then it went, it went official right after, uh, right after the game. And at that point, you know, if you saw it traded, you know that it takes, you, know, you have to be in another city, packed up all your belongings in two days or else, you know, you get in trouble or you might not get traded. It's crazy. Um, but yeah, organizing that and it was tight. He was like, you're going, you're going to go with him. Just stay with him and film everything you possibly can. Uh, so I did that and I was attached to Trevor's hip for about uh, six or seven days. You know, Tyke flew to Atlanta. We flew to Atlanta to, cause that's where they, the next series was filmed every single minute of every single day there. Um, it was just insane. Uh, just the whole back, I mean, watching it happen in person and then like, actually filming it and seeing the piece come together and Taiki did, did an amazing job editing that. And, you know, I still to this day will watch it back and just be like in, in amazement that like we did that. And like, I was there doing it um, for such a, a cool experience personally, but to show people that too, uh, to show that whole background experience. So that was probably my favorite project I got to work on, obviously, because it was like a huge, it was, it was my biggest project I worked on personally. Um, but I mean, like everything we do is great. And then, you know, when we get to make those thank you Cleveland, the thank you Cleveland videos, it's funny, we did it twice, one with Trevor and then, then Clev as well. I mean, um, again, shout out to Taiki, just staying up all night doing it and, and stuff. But it's, it's that kind of stuff where you kind of feel like, okay, we're doing the right thing. Um, and, and like when we, we mentioned to Clev, he was excited. Like he wasn't going to do anything until we, we brought that up, um, like post anything until that went out. And it was, it was just cool. It was just a cool experience every time we get to work with guys and they like it. And, you know, we start to build real friendships and real relationships with them, not just not just about the content or, you know, if they're out to dinner or something or they're at a bar before you could, when you could do that, like they'd hit us up or ask us in spring training. Like, we go, we'll go meet them for a drink or whatever. So it's really cool to see um, kind of everything we've grown. But yeah, that project was, was far and away probably my favorite I've worked on. During that process, was Trevor ever like, Alec, put down the camera and like, help me move this? Or was he pretty hands-off? I, I felt bad the whole time. Like, that's the thing is like, he never asked me to, um, but it was very weird. Cause he's like needing help obviously, but it's like, I would love to help you, but it's also like, I'm, I'm filming. So it's, it's a weird thing. Uh, but fun fact, I still have like three boxes from that apartment. Cause he gave me his keys in Atlanta when I was flying back. He's like, you have to turn in my apartment keys. Like there's a couple boxes, bring them back to your apartment. I'll get them when the season's over. Um, plot twist. They're still in front of me right now. Um, but it's just funny. Uh, that, that whole part. So no, to answer your question, no, but I definitely felt bad the whole time, not helping him. Morgan and Madison, do you guys have any projects that you guys have been really excited to work with and kind of produce? Um, so like I said, I've only been with Momentum for two and a half months in the midst of quarantine. So there's not a ton that has happened as far as um, filming and producing stuff right now. But uh, I guess prior to that, um, 
one of my favorite things that I've worked on has been actually a feature for the Vikings. It's like not a special feature by any means, just like in-game hometown hero. Um, but I started doing that, editing that for them in like 2015. And it's been a project that like, even when I moved to Baltimore, they still have me edit and work on for them. So I think that even though it's like not, not anything special, it's just been cool to be able to like still kind of have um, um, a relationship and work for, you know, one of my hometown teams, home state. So for me, I think it's, it's actually, it's not, well, there's two. Um, one was the, was the moment, um, when Trevor took his, his uniform top off, um, not too long ago and they were back in Kansas city, almost an entire year after, um, he threw the ball over center field wall and at Kaufman last year, obviously a much different turnout, um, uh, for him, this, this game, um, that whole day was really fun. There was a lot of fan interaction, a lot of media buzz around that. That was also the Joe Kelly cleat game. Um, so lots of fun stuff happening during that day. And then I think just in general, um, seeing the, the progress and the growth and the, um, the fan base for Trevor grow. I mean, it's been a very, it's been, it's been a slow, obviously with, with COVID happening, um, it was just a, it was just a weird, a weird year. Um, so there was not, there was just a lot of stuff that Trevor was doing consistently and to look back now and go, wow, all of these months have passed and look how much he's grown. And I don't know that we were anticipating as much growth as we've seen on his accounts, but it's very satisfying, rewarding to see um, all of those events adding up to what you know, his social channels are now and, and are still growing. And then um, one last thing. Uh, yeah, when I was at Warsick, actually, it was co-owned by Ian Kinsler, um, Rangers, you know, Texas Rangers royalty, <laughs> um, and Jack White, the musician. And we did a, um, we did a Beats commercial with them. Jack's music was featured in that commercial. Ian was in the commercial. And so that was one of the first times I'd ever been on set for something with you know really large company and um saw everything that kind of went into that so I would say those kind of stick out to me yeah Morgan I have a question for you I I've seen Rachel's like TikToks I've seen like Trevor's cleats and like fighting with Manfred and all that kind of stuff what is it like like working with Trevor I feel like he's very I don't want to like spontaneous I guess like he's definitely like ever-changing and like with all of his like tweets and the cleats and everything, the free campaign, like how is it working with him? Like, I feel like every single day it's like, what is he gonna do today that I'm gonna have to like handle eventually? So what is it like kind of like seeing that side? It's actually a little more planned out than I think people people realize. So we understand that, we understand really what his his brand is now. And he has the really, I'm, I'm really lucky actually, because there's not a lot of athletes that I've personally worked with that kind of just understand how to be PR, you know, worthy, if you will, like how to capitalize on those big moments and think beyond what the moment actually is and make it bigger. And so 
he and I talk about those things, you know, quite a bit. It's like, hey, what if we made these shirts to do this? And so I don't know if anybody caught last night, he was wearing um, some shirts that ended up on post-game interviews, like trying to get his- Oh, the 100K one, right? Exactly. Um, yeah. So we kind of just dove into how can we, how can we take some of these, these moments where we know he's going to be performing well, and we know that there's going to be lots of eyeballs on him. How can we, how can we get the news and, and the media talking about him and how can we kind of leverage his already um, very, you know, spontaneous uh, and, and vocal personality and, and channel that into, you know, giving it more legs. So um, he and I have a very similar, like, I wouldn't say sense of humor, but I think I get how, you know, he would like to interact in some of those moments. And so um, I think it, it works that we have that understanding of each other and we have some other fun things planned. So we, uh, yeah, we're, uh, we're having a lot of fun actually. Yeah. Rachel's TikTok, I think is hilarious. I, I like, I remember I watched it, but like, oh my gosh, what are you doing? And I, I thought it was hilarious. Yeah. That was all <laughs> I had to say <laughs> her reaction to it. We, um, that particular, that particular shirt, um, I went, he and I, Trevor and I went back and forth. So we have, we have a Slack channel that we communicate on multiple times a day. And he, I remember when we were designing that shirt, he and I went back and forth. He was like, hey, you think that's going to sell? You think that I'm like, Trevor, trust me, let's, let's take, let's, let's just, let's take it and see what happens. And then just to see all of those other moments that have come after that, that is our best-selling shirt to date by far and none, only followed, you know, second by the Joe Kelly shirt. Um, but it's been incredible to turn that part of his brand, i.e. like branded merchandise into another revenue stream for him on top of just creating, you know, the media buzz around, hey, like this guy is really funny. He can laugh about it now or he understands, you know, that he's going to be seen in a post-game interview, like what else can he do? And I think that that's incredibly rare in, in athletes today. There's just not a lot of guys that get that without a ton of coaching. Um, so it's been, it's been a lot of fun. Yeah. That's great. That's awesome to see. We can't see what's next um, from you guys. And just to wrap things up, we just want to do a quick little, I guess, fun question, rapid fire, trying to keep the responses to about one sentence. So uh, first off, Taiki, what's your favorite meme and why? Uh, favorite meme currently, there's a lot out there, but uh, in the light of 2020 and also just with the fires going on, you know, like the dog that say it's it's lit and it's burning. Basically, like that's basically where I live, like 95% of the time. So I relate to that very much. <laughs> oh my Love gosh. that, Alec. How's professor life going? shaping young minds yeah that's terrifying to uh, think about honestly um it's been really it's been really awesome uh super interesting and i have really started to understand that how i experienced college like academically not even so not even like socially is um is very different across every single person and you know having 24 different perspectives has really been interesting and eye-opening um, so it's been a huge learn. It's I've learned so much and I hate to use that cliche, but you know, like they're teaching me more than I'm teaching them, but it's, it's true. And I hate that I said it, but you know, it is. <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, Madison, your bio on the website says that you've been to 45 out of the 50 states. So what's your favorite 
state that you've traveled to so far? I feel like it's kind of a boring answer, but I really like North Carolina. I think you've got the the mountains in the east. Um, Raleigh-Durham area is just like beautiful to drive around. And then uh, you've got the ocean too. So helps that one of my best friends lives there and I adore her. So North Carolina is what we'll, what we'll go with. There's a lot of other ones up there, but. Fun fact. So I actually accepted a job in Raleigh I think 12 hours before Open Doors offered me a job. So that was a really fun process to go back and be like, actually psych. Like, so yeah. Uh, last but not least, Morgan, if you could be sponsored by any brand, who would it be and why? Okay. I actually thought about this and I'm sorry, but I'm gonna have to break the rules here and, and do three. Um, I'm kind of, I know, I'm kind of already in some ways, Adidas has really hooked me up and done a really good job. I, I had a really good relationship with them coming out of um, my other agency job. And I just think everything that they're doing is incredible um, on the on the marketing side. But these are going to be really random, but I can honestly tell you that I use these products every single day. So Carmex, the chapstick. Okay, guys, like you have no idea how many tubes I have, and it's been an addiction since high school. Oh I will, yes, just lifetime supply there. And then Lay's, the the lime potato chips. I, eat, I go through two bags a week. <laughs> um, I just saw that they're sponsoring a couple more um, women in sports, so I was like, you know what? Should I just shoot my shot with them? Um, I just. Do it. Yeah, I mean, I guess like since I'm being, you know, since I'm being bold here too, like raising canes, mm, that'd be yes. <laughs> just <the> bread, <laughs> bread, fries, and sauce. Though I, I won't sponsor their chicken fingers. <laughs> so that that's that's my list. Super super random, but um, when I find something I like, I, I stick with it. <laughs> I'm surprised you didn't say Starbucks because we went four times a day to spring training. Oh my god! Wait. That is, that's true. I do, I go every single day and I'm not, I'm, I'm not proud to admit that. I hope my dad never listens to this, although he probably knows that. But um, yeah, we went multiple times a day during spring training. And uh, now with it being quarantine, I mean, that's really the only thing I've spent my money on. Like I've, I've really cut back on some of the Carmex purchases and some, you know, frivolous things that I spent my money on appearance wise. Um, it's been replaced with Starbucks. <laughs> That's true, Alec. Thank you. So those are my top, that's, that's my top five. I gave y'all five. That's Very my top nice. Five. Awesome. I, like it. I love it. Thank you guys so much for hopping on. This went a little bit longer than uh, the calendar showed, but we really appreciate it. And this was a lot of fun. Yeah. Thank you guys so much. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, thank you.